Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on this glorious day of Euro cooperation and regeneration. Theresa May will head back to Brussels this afternoon after Prime Minister's questions, cap in hand with the promise of a long and possibly never-ending extension uh, to Article 50 and the prospect of not leaving the European Union at all. Will Jeremy Corbyn target her at midday over their collective failure to find any common ground over the Brexit withdrawal agreement? Will he continue to attempt to sit on the fence or will he get anywhere at all? Uh, Or will it all just be another giant waste of time. I think you know the answer to that one. We're joined today by former MP Nick Dubois, former Chief of Staff uh, to Dominic Raab as well. He'll guide us through the increasingly choppy waters uh, of the English Channel, which separates us uh, from the mainland of Europe. And he'll let us know how the Tory leadership contest is going, because believe it or not, that's actually a better story uh, than the Brexit withdrawal agreement. 0344 499 1000. Coming up first, though, uh, we are tackling the problems of policing in this country. We all know about the epidemic of knife crime reaching all parts of Britain, but down in Devon, they've come up with a plan. They're going to get firefighters to double up as police officers. How's that going to work exactly? If the guy, uh, you're chasing a burglar down the street, you happen to be a firefighter, uh, you pass a house that happens to be on fire, what do you do? Do you stop chasing the burglar and put the fire out? Or do you leave the fire to burn uh, and keep chasing the burglar? What an absolutely idiotic idea this is. I can't believe that anyone thinks it's brilliant. Also, by the way, have you been asked to be a special constable? Have you had uh, any kind of leafleting through the door asking you to volunteer to protect your own community? Because if you have, I think it tells you that things are going very, very badly wrong indeed. 03444991000. We're also going to find out why swine fever in China is pushing up the cost of bacon in the UK. We're always being told we don't import that much food from outside of the European Union. Well, guess what? Half the bacon comes from China. 03444991000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
Now, it comes to a pretty poor point, does it not, when basically everybody is suffering from such Brexit withdrawal. And I don't mean the Brexit withdrawal agreement. I mean Brexit withdrawal in as much as we just wish people would stop talking about it. Donald Tusk has suggested that EU leaders grant the UK an extension to Article 50 of up to one year. Yesterday, we were being told that they might grant us an extension which might be open-ended and might never actually come to any point at which we leave. And I think a lot of people now are beginning to suspect that actually we aren't ever really going to leave. Theresa May was over visiting Emmanuel Macron yesterday. Uh, he didn't even have the decency to fly a union flag over the Elysee Palace, which is what he's traditionally supposed to do when he's visited by a foreign dignitary. Uh, and of course, uh, there was that awful picture of them sort of standing together, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, trying to look uh, like best friends, but actually knowing that they're not. It was quite embarrassing, and it's going to get more embarrassing later on uh, after Prime Minister's questions today, which we will bring you live, of course, on this show, when uh, she goes back to Brussels uh, to get absolutely nothing in return. It is pretty awful. Nick Dubois is going to be here a bit later on. Uh, He is a close ally of Dominic Raab. He's going to tell us precisely what the thinking is inside the Tory party and exactly what the thinking is inside the Dominic Raab tent, uh, because, of course, he is one of the many Tory MPs who would like to become... Um, one of the next leaders and possibly the next Prime Minister. So Nick will be here uh, around about 11 o'clock. First up, though, uh, we're going to talk about this remarkable story from Devon where it's been decided that because they've got a bit of a difficulty policing rural areas of that particular county, that what they should do uh, is get the firefighters to double up as police officers. Now, it seems to me that having a job as a firefighter is difficult enough. Trying to then become a police officer at the same time surely is a recipe for disaster. Let's talk to Dave Green uh, from the Fire Brigades Union find out what he makes of it all. Dave, a very good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Thank you very much for joining us, Dave. Um, this is a bit of a batty, isn't it? Uh, well, that's that's your phrase. Um, <laughs> I, I would say uh, that we, we, we oppose it. We have tremendous concerns mm. about it. Uh, we've expressed those concerns for an awful long time. Um, it all uh, uh, this kind of stems back to around about 2017 with the Policing and Crime Act. I won't, I won't go bore you with the history of that, but basically it allowed police and crime commissioners to take over the running of fire services if they wanted. Right. Uh, now that's happened in about four brigades across the UK. Um, I mean, Devon's not one of them, um, by the way. But uh, but obviously this is a kind of a bit of an agenda as regards. Um, a merging of, yeah. of, of services, which we're really concerned about. You well, know, I was going to say, Dave, yeah. I mean, is, is the taking over of the police service in those other areas, is that a kind of administrative gain, if you like, rather than... Well, it's a taking right. over of the fire service right, by, by the, the Police and Crime Commissioner. But, yeah, I mean, in theory, it's all meant to be just... just um, they call it collaboration, yeah. making efficiencies, backroom staff, all that kind of business, uh, investing in the front line. I mean, we, we've seen none of that at all, right. to be perfectly frank with you. But what we have seen is a kind of erosion of, of, of our role. Um, I, I mean, I was a firefighter for 20 years in Nottingham and, and proud to be a firefighter. Uh, we worked really closely with both the ambulance and the police because that's what the nature of the job is. Uh, but never in my time did I ever consider that at one point I would actually be asked to do uh, a, a, a police a police officer's role. Mm. Um, they are completely different. Um, there's a crucial difference, of course, is that uh, the police are law enforcement. Um, and, and hopefully your listeners will be well aware that the fire service, that's not their role whatsoever. We will, uh, to, to use a phrase that I learned when I was training, we will render humanitarian service. Uh, we will do what we can to save lives, uh, whoever, wherever they are, whatever circumstances mm. they're in. We do not judge and we cannot judge. And I just think it's... Uh, 
it's a recipe for, uh, I mean, I don't think it's a good idea, but I think it's a recipe for disaster for the, both the police and the mm. fire service. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone, I, I'm sure, listening to you, Dave, can understand that there are savings maybe to be made and, and, and sort of economies of scale to be made if you put the sort of the administrative parts of the two services together, but not the yeah. operational parts. That, that is absolutely crazy because, as you say yourself, I mean, quite often um, you now see places, and I'm not saying that therefore this is a reason not to do it, but you see, you know, ambulance. Uh, drivers and ambulances getting hit by rocks when they go into certain communities. Firefighters sometimes face that kind of problem as yep. well. And you know, if you if you are known to be uh, given powers to arrest people, that's going to get worse, isn't it? Well, it is. Um, I, I mean, I mean, the, the, I've had many worst case scenarios. But you know, one day you can be putting someone's uh, house out uh, who's on fire, and then the next day you could be arresting them. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's but most bizarre. Uh, but 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 crucially, I mean, the really serious point is firefighters across the UK have worked really hard to drive down fires, fire deaths, incidents mm. and I think we're doing a cracking job in that and that has meant by the way as you know going into places where um, you know normally a uniform and shall I put it like that would not be welcome right. we, go, we go in there and we, uh, and, we, and we are able to advise we're able to try and assist we, we, we check on people's well-being um, I mean that's another, another debate but we do an awful lot of things uh, that, that people don't see uh, in the front line you know it's not just about fighting fires or cutting people out of cars or attending terrorist incidents uh, all those things that we do we also do a heck of a lot extra as well and and that has become because we have been uh, we have engaged with communities all of the communities and I feel we're doing a cracking job in that um, I just think that to give us or, or to, to make us uh, uh, perform another function in society I think we'll, we'll lose all that goodwill uh, the merging the blurring of lines the amalgamation and all that means I don't think people in this country want a, a police slash fire service. I think I think that's wrong. Yeah, they absolutely don't. I can't imagine anybody thinking it's a great idea. And also, the problem with doing police work is that there's an awful lot of police work to be done. And one of the things that people complain about all the time in the in the police force is that you know the the, the investigations procedure is very long and drawn out. The paperwork is a <clears throat> is a horrendous yeah. situation. I mean, what makes anybody think that firefighters have got enough time to even do it? Well, well, I mean, it's a completely unknown quantity, all that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, and and he's having to learn learn the profession as sure. well. I mean, you, you you have enough to learn as a firefighter. The multitude of incidents we attend at the moment, mm. a whole range of issues. You know, I mean, it's not just about standing there with your hose squirting water at all. It's a heck of a lot else. Right. And 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 to give people more. I mean, they just to, you know, they seem to think we're in a sort of bottomless pit of of jobs that. Yeah. And let us do well and time uh, as well. I mean, how much yeah. time are you supposed to be giving to both of these jobs in one week? You well, know? Uh, it, well, it's not been thought out. That's the whole problem. It's not been done. It's not been rolled out uh, nationally. It's been done ad hoc basis mm. in certain areas. Where, to be frank with you, they can't provide a police service. Right. I mean, the the, the 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 answer is is blindingly obvious. Of course, is that we should be investing in all our emergency services. We're all praised, you know, uh, when things uh, when things go wrong in society, mm. when there's a calamity, uh, the fire service the ambulance service and the police service all do a job to go above and beyond what most people would consider to be appropriate uh, they do that you know without moaning about it i mean but for well over a decade uh, we've 
all three services have been cut to the bone. Uh, the answer isn't isn't to make people do more, uh, take on more no. jobs to merge the roles. The answer is to have a proper emergency services that uh, all collaborate together, that are well-funded, and of course, I would say this, well-paid, well-remunerated, and, and, and such like. But well, I think, I think everyone would people agree. People want it. People yeah. want a well, of course. service. And also everybody would agree, Dave, that somebody running into a burning building when everybody else is running out should be very well-remunerated for that job, you know, because it's a dangerous, life-threatening situation. And, and I mean, I was going to ask you, because you'll know more about this nationally, Boris Johnson was heavily criticised uh, when he was Mayor of London for closing down and merging yep. lots of fire stations. Yeah. Has, that the, has that been the case all over the country? Well, well yeah, I mean, uh, over the last 10 years, we've lost 12,000 firefighters right. across the UK. Mm. That's one in five. One in five firefighters are no longer on the streets helping people in in, in times of need. Um, it, it, it is a crisis. Um, unfortunately, the last three years, uh, you know, these kind of things have passed people by because we're more concerned about something else. And and the reality is that nothing's changed. Um, you may recall a statement about six months ago that austerity is over. Well, we don't see that yeah. at all. Uh, in, in fact, through to 2020, there's still more cuts planned to the fire service. How on earth you go about cutting to the bone, even stuff that's gone beyond the bone is, is, yeah. is, is, is unfathomable. But that's where we are. And, and, and the reality is, you know, making people do more... Uh, Tinkering around with the system uh, in, 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 in Devon is not a solution to a national problem. And the national problem is, is that all emergency services need funding and they need proper funding. Well, they do. I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds more like they should be doing it the other way around and co-opting more police officers to be firefighters because, you know, clearly you haven't got enough people. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't, wouldn't want the one that either, and neither would we. But, yeah, co-opt more, 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 more police officers, more firefighters, more ambulance staff, uh, and, 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 and look, at, look at it to the future because the population is increasing, the population is getting older. Uh, emergency services are going to be needed more and more. Mm. And... and, and, and trying to get away with cutting a bit off it every year so that cumulatively over a period of a decade you're less with, left with 12,000 less firefighters is an appalling way to deal with an emergency service. And I'm sure if people knew the actual details of that, they would not agree with it and, and, and they would take the government to task. Unfortunately, it's all done through the back door and all we hear from the government is, um, oh, well, it's up to local, local determination, how they provide a fire service, how they provide the police. Mm. Um, we don't actually have any national coordination of, 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 of the emergency services. And, and I just feel, I feel so saddened. I mean, you know, I've been in the fire service for 34 years. I feel really saddened yeah. that the fire service has reached this, this state. Well, it should be something which is celebrated, something which is supported, as you say, Dave, should not yeah. be short of resources, should not have budgets cut. You know, of course, there have to be savings made when you get to yeah. a point where, you know, public spending has reached the levels that it has, but not yeah. like this. I mean, there's a woman called Alison Hernandez, who's apparently the elected police commissioner for Devon and Cornwall who says yep. that this will be a great addition to rural communities but as Steve who's just tweeted me points out where do the firefighters put the people they arrest our fire engine is going to have to have cells built into them in the future I mean it's bonkers it's just, I can't I mean I thought it was April Fool's when I read this <laughs> yes uh, I've had a few of those um, I, 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 oh goodness I mean the mind boggles it really does um, I, I, I'll be honest with you I don't even want to go down that road I just I just want to say we, we oppose it and and Leave, leave it at that but I, I mean I, I guess the 
the, the, the fundamental problem is is that all, all emergency services who you know all the people who work in them because of the people they are you know they don't tend to moan much they just get on with it you know right. uh, you know they, they see awful things every single day of the week and they get on with it um, and 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 uh, you, you know you know and, and, and the government plays on that you know, you know they, they, they kind of they, they know we'll, we'll go the extra mile they know we'll do this mm. we know, they know we'll do that and and it's just taking liberties um, but they, those liberties are, you know are, could be dangerous. Well, they could. Apparently, Dorset is also considering doing this very same thing. And, mm. you know, do you think, and I don't know whether you can answer this politically speaking, but do you think the appointment of some of these kind of police commissioners has has led to this? And is it a really bad idea to even have these characters knocking around? Uh, well, uh, I, I think, think there was a fair amount of opposition to when police and crime commissioners were put in place. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, the turnout in their first election was abysmal, mm. around 13, 14 yeah. percent. I, I mean, it's very, it's very difficult. Um, Taking over, then taking over the fire service is, is, is something else. I think I think it's a way of boosting their their profile. I'll, I'll be frank with you. I think a lot of them are quite egotistical about their yeah. their, their little empire. That they've oh, I'm got. sure they are. Yeah, you know, and they, they're quite. I like mean, this the is the modern Britain that we are left with <laughs> yeah. after the sort of Theresa May debacle. You know, not only are we messing up leaving Europe, she's already messed up everything else. I'm wondering whether the whole Brexit thing is just a massive distraction, so that we don't look back at her record and see how awful she was when she was Home Secretary. Well, well, it, well, we've got a catalogue of, uh, of her failures there, yeah. um, uh, and, and, and both as prime minister as well. But uh, I mean, that might be uh, another, another debate. Yes, but, uh, you know, genuinely, um, I just think that, um, that 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 it's that it's a real mess, mm. and and uh, and it needs sorting out. And uh, you know, um, can it be reversed? Uh, this 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 business or what? Um, that's a good question. I would hope so. I would hope that uh, that, that that it can be that, that, that actually I don't, there's some kind of review of, of, of. I mean, I would ask for the review of the fire service, but I suspect yeah. there's everybody else would like to uh, see 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 their their services reviewed and, and and upgraded, shall I put it like that? But the fire service. I mean, you know, PCC's taking over, we've got mayors taking over, we've got county councils, we've got combined fire authorities, we've got a national fire service in Scotland who, who, who plough their own furrow because yeah. uh, they think we're making a mess of it down here. Um, I, you know, it's just it's just a myriad of a whole, whole range of, 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 of governance models which, are, which aren't sexy, don't, don't, don't capture the public imagination, but it just means that the, 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 the whole, the whole catalogue of, of, of fire service administration is, is down to the whims of individual uh, local politicians. And to be frank with you, I don't trust them. No. Well, I don't blame you, Dave. But listen, thank you very much for coming on because you've highlighted the problem brilliantly and we're going to try and take it on board. Dave Green, Fire Brigade's Union National Officer there, being very eloquent about what is wrong with the fire service, what is wrong with the police service. And I can tell you uh, that what it is, a lot of it, uh, is they've over top-heavy laid the, uh, the the sort of administrative people over and above and given it more importance than the actual uh, guys and women on the street, the people who are actually supposed to be policing our cities and our towns and the rural areas as well, and the firefighters who do life-saving work. For heaven's sake, why on earth would you even cut it back? For God's sake, sort this out. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Also want to hear from anybody out there uh, as to what it's like where you live. What's the policing like? Have you been asked to be a special constable? Would you volunteer to do it without any money uh, and putting your life on the line? I don't think you would. I think you'd have to be crazy to do that. Surely we just need to sort this out, give the money to the firefighters, give the money to the police service, make sure the police service do their right job and they don't go around arresting people for saying things on Twitter. This is Talk Radio. More gun talk. 
from a water pistol from the farmer of fury. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. James Mack's going to join us very shortly to tell us about the latest debacle uh, on the high street. But this time it's actually not on the high street. It's on the online fashion high street, which is, of course, the one that's supposed to be doing better uh, than the one that Debenhams currently occupies. But we'll come to that in a moment. Let me read you a couple of quick tweets. Uh, John says, I'd rather eat chlorinated chicken from the US than bacon from China with African swine fever. Yeah, well, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, And one from Madge who says, firefighters doubling as police officers should happen. Police officers double up as nurses, firefighters and social workers all the time. I once attended a car fire as a PC armed with just a small fire extinguisher as they requested police presence before they'd attend. Well, it's one thing managed to do it ad hoc or once in a while when something happens. It's entirely another thing to say to any firefighter, you are now also a police officer and you now basically have two roles in society. I don't think that's ever going to work. Let's talk to Paddy in Suffolk. Hi, Paddy. Hi, Mike. Good Good morning. morning. Morning to you. How are you? I'm very well. Good. Now, uh, every single policeman in Northern Ireland mm. has to carry a sidearm, a revolver or a pistol. Right. Uh, and that's always been the case, and they're still carrying them now. Uh, firemen have never carried arms over there. No. Um, so that's, uh, that'd be a, that would sh- show you, the, the, you know, the situations where... Um, if firemen suddenly car- um, started arresting people in Northern Ireland yes. or in certain areas in Britain, they they would be murdered. Well, They'd they would come under the yeah. situation. It would change everything, wouldn't it? Yes. I mean, I can remember years ago uh, being at a demo, and some of the demonstrators, this is in England, uh, locked gates with uh, bike locks. Uh-huh. Um, and... The, fire, the police called the uh, fire brigade to cut the locks off. Right. And the, the firemen wouldn't do that. Their union said, we can't do that. Mm, right. So um, So who did? I, when I heard your report, I thought to myself, I wonder, is the police commissioner of Devon and Cornwall a woman? Uh, and, it is. Yes. Um, surprise, surprise. Why does it make a difference that she's a woman? Well, I, I, I don't know. I just get that impression that women tend to come up with certain sort of ideas. I don't know. You, well, we, you're we, saying women are worse at organising uh, things than men, because I think you'd probably get a lot of people arguing with you about that. Oh, I know, but we're not all the same. We're not... Well, exactly. But you've just said women are worse at something than men are, though. Women are, are not as good at certain things as men, and men are You just said as, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. Well, so how can you make such a generalisation, then? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the word <laughs> Theresa May. Well, Theresa May, head. you can't blame all women for being like Theresa May. Paddy, I think you'll have to go and have a lie down. We'll talk <laughs> to you in a little while. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This could be Rotterdam or anywhere, Liverpool or Rome. Cause Rotterdam is anywhere, anywhere alone. 03444991000. Believe it or not, right? The resources uh, that we have here in the world famous talk radio network. Uh, to find a song about Brussels has landed on Rotterdam, uh, which has got means they've got about as much brains back there as we have running the government at the moment. Nick Dubois is here with me. Uh, he's probably been to Rotterdam and probably been to Rome as well. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for you, Nick, coming up in a moment. We're just going to go live, though, to Brussels. Uh, Bruno Waterfield's the Times correspondent there. Bruno, very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. It's a great city, Rotterdam. I, I recommend a visit. Really good place. <laughs> as, well, it is indeed, yes, but as is Brussels, actually. I'm very fond of Brussels. I think it's rather, rather a cool place to work, and I'm glad that uh, you're able to join us from there this morning, Bruno. It's a bizarre day, really, isn't it, in, in Europe, because uh, Theresa May's going to arrive later on. Uh, all sorts of, sort of mixed signals have been coming her way about possibly an open-ended extension or possibly an extension for a year. Uh, she may have to give them some kind of assurance that she's going to produce a deal that will get through the Parliament. What, what, what is the mood uh, that you're seeing there? Well, the, the, the mood is, is, is resignation. I mean, I, uh, no one really wants to do this. Um, no one really wants to uh, humiliate her. And Donald Tusk, who will be chairing the talks tonight, um, uh, made that request to other European leaders don't kick her while she's down don't kick britain uh, while it's down uh, emmanuel macron the french president does want to make a bit of hay out of it because he's got european elections so when he kicks britain and he kicks brexit he's he's kicking uh, marine le pen the far-right leader who's who's neck and neck with him in the polls uh, polls at the moment so i think i think britain's going to get an extension uh, the leaders will decide on a date, and that date is looking like, based on the talks between EU ambassadors last night, that, that date is looking like 31st of December 2019 or the 31st of March uh, 2020, which means, of course, uh, Brexit Day will be uh, the first uh, the first of April. Yes. And we all know the significance of that date. Yes, well, quite. And that was the one we were trying for earlier uh, this this year, March 29th. It didn't quite work out. And is there likely to be anything attached to that as far as, um, you know, demands from from the EU as to what Theresa May must do between now and then? Yeah, I mean, the first demand, um, which uh, she said she'll go along with, is, is holding uh, is, is holding EU elections. So holding uh, elections to send British MP, MEPs uh, to the mm. uh, European uh, Parliament. And the EU is a bit concerned that she might not deliver on that. So uh, they're saying in the, in the draft summit document that if Britain doesn't hold those elections, uh, Brexit will happen on the 1st of June. So Britain will be kicked out. Um, if it doesn't hold those 
uh, elections and France particularly, France, uh, Spain, Greece and others are really worried um, that Britain's going to disrupt things during the extension. This hasn't been helped by comments uh, by Jacob Rees-Mogg saying that Britain should do just that, make life hell for the EU on, on long-term budget decisions. Uh, for example, uh, Marc Francois yesterday um, said that Britain in extension would be perfidious Albion um, on speed, and that's alarmed people. So one of the things Macron, President Macron, will demand tonight is that Mrs May renounces, uh, renounces uh, her veto and agrees not to block anything, particularly... Um, on uh, decisions that will be taken potentially later this year um, on the EU's uh, long-term uh, long-term spending. It has to be said that over the last three years, Britain hasn't blocked anything no. um, and has and, and sort of kind of sat on its hands uh, when budget decisions have gone through that once it would have blocked, and free movement decisions as well that once it would have blocked, which has increased Britain's contributions yeah. to the but EU But I have budget. to say, I mean, being uh, sitting from this side of the pond, it doesn't sound good to me that the Brussels bureaucrats and the European Parliament is attempting to kind of already gerrymander what happens in the future, when in fact they may have a much bigger problem than that if an awful lot of MEPs are elected from far-right sort of populist places in other parts of the, of the, of the European Union. Well, I think this is, I mean, this is part of their worry is they you know, they, they are worried that the, the sort of Brexit, the Brexit show yeah. um, will pollute those, will pollute, uh, there's a word that's often used, will pollute, will pollute those elections. Because, of course, you know, uh, people like President Macron uh, could be beaten in the European elections yeah. by, by Marine Le Pen. So that is one of their, their, that is one of their worries. And, of course, there's legally very little they can do. Uh, to tie Britain's hands um, because, you know, EU membership is EU membership and drawing an extension Britain would remain a full um, EU member. But I think they are worried. I mean, they are worried that if Britain holds European elections, what is it going to be like? How serious is the government going to be um, about it? Will will all the media coverage of the uh, European elections be, be in Britain um, with, uh, you know, sort of loonies um, with... EU face paint or Union Jack screaming on Parliament Green. I mean, they'll, they'll be worried about that. I think they will. Bruno, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed, Bruno Waterfield. Uh, Nick Dubois with me. Nick, I mean, that's the kind of thing that really turns people off the European Union. When you hear that this is the plan, uh, we're going to try and outlaw any kind of veto that Britain might have. Uh, we're going to try and make sure that we can so, so, so far sort of control exactly what kind of democracy is and exactly what kind of candidates become elected. Which is a humiliation. They can't do it. Uh, no, it would be a humiliation and they will try and do it. But look, one thing I um, uh, perhaps should have uh, interrupted and asked Bruno on this because because it was clear throughout the summer when, uh, for those 123 days, uh, I was at Dexu. What is really driving, uh, it's constantly there behind Macron, was what is going on in his European elections. Mm. Because this guy is an unpopular president. We've seen that. We've seen rioting on his streets. Yeah. He's got all these problems we always forget about. But he is driven by a fear of what he calls a populist uprising in Europe. And more importantly, him getting a pasting in uh, France and that's behind everything so his answer is he won't use these words punish Britain yeah. make people realise this is not a good idea right. uh, the same breath he's also saying how desperate he is for a close security and trading relationship with the UK afterwards but he wants to see a less competitive neighbour on his doorstep, not a more competitive neighbour on his doorstep. He does not want to see Brexit a success because that sends entirely the wrong signal, mm. not just to other European nations that may also be unhappy, but within his own country that his presidency is in trouble and he is deeply unpopular. There is no motivation for him to help Britain 
because of his own domestic situation. That's right. And let's uh, hear from some Remainers on this one, because, I mean, this is not the Europe that surely you want to remain in, is it? Let's talk to Mike, who's in York. Hello, Mike. Oh, good morning. Good morning, morning Nick. And I was just listening to the, the correspondent there, and that's what I really was saying to um, your researcher. In so much as um, I think they'll probably get something like 73 Brexiteer Nigel Farages. Well, I wouldn't and be surprised. That would serve them right, to be honest. It would, but, you know, kind of the awkward squad, as I understand it from the news last night, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but did um, Theresa May not give assurances that we wouldn't interfere with budgets and, you know, kind of, you, you were just going to be there, uh, um, English, Europeans, UK uh, MEPs, were just going to be there as uh, tokens of um, this process? Well, in fact, um, the, the, the brutal reality is the, the parliament, the EU parliament, doesn't actually have that much power anyway. I mean, you may not know this. Not one single MEP can bring in legislation. They can't introduce a law like I introduced a law into to the House of Commons. They can't do that. They can only amend stuff. So they're relatively powerless, but they have a good platform to challenge people. What you're talking about on Theresa May is that we have committed um, with the withdrawal agreement to honour the budget commitments up until December 2020, which is when we were meant to leave the European Union after a transition period. So we, leave, we were originally going to leave uh, 29th of March of this year and have a transition period up to December 2020. And then, if you like, come out at that point. Mm. We were going to honour the budget plan up till then. She's now intimating, obviously, we wouldn't block any future budget plans between after 2020, which does make sense in a way, yeah. because the theory is we wouldn't be there. The problem is you start giving those guarantees now when it's not clear we're coming out at all. I think it's a rod for our own back well, and we is. shouldn't be doing it. And also, Mike, it's not, for me, a very edifying uh, prospect to see anybody, whether it's in this country or in Europe, making promises about what they won't do in the future or what they will do and making you know, and sort of almost trying to countermand what the electorate will say because it's up, it's up to you, the people who are going to vote in these elections, as to who goes to Brussels. It's not up to Brussels to sort of n nominate the people they'd like to see sitting around them. Yeah, I, I'd like to just mention one thing. We keep getting these Labour MPs that say, you know, kind of people didn't vote for uh, poverty. Well, if Corbyn gets in... That's what will get poverty, because all the businesses in the north, especially in North Yorkshire, they're already going abroad, and that's from 2007. I'll go back to it. Terries of York went to Poland in 2007. Mm. All those jobs, engineering jobs, everything went. And it wasn't Brexit on the cards then. No. We've got a very poor uh, M Labour MEPs, uh, MPs. Well, I mean, I'm surprised you even uh, know who... I was going to say, if you were going to talk about MEPs, you even know who they are. But, Mike, listen, thanks very much for your call. Uh, I've got another question here for you, Nick. Uh, please answer this genuine question, Nick. Even with the Brexiteer leading the Tories, how do I know MPs like Grieve, Morgan and company uh, will honour their manifesto in a new general election? I want to vote for a true Brexiteer leader, but if they remain in your party, I cannot trust the word it says. Well, look, uh, there's two things there. For, first of all, uh, I think uh, a new Brexiteer leader will actually have commanded the confidence of the MPs mm. and who would have made a commitment to support him. But you're quite right, there are... But there Dominic Grieve's never going to support no, Brexit, Well, the, uh, and I suspect he wouldn't be voting for a Brexiteer Leave MP. But um, in the leadership election, because remember, the Conservative MPs 
have to choose two candidates yeah. to go forward to the party so that party members get a say. Yeah, but so, say, so, for example, if Brexiteer wins, what yeah. does he do then? Right, well, this is key, I think, because the second half of that question that came in was saying, if there's a general election, how do I know they will honour the manifesto? Yes. Well, the bottom line is, first of all, some of these MPs will have to answer to their constituents for why they broke their first manifesto. Mm. And I have to say, the answer is in the hands of the electors to make that decision, because if they are sent back to Parliament, any MP is sent back to Parliament... Uh, and says, I will not be respecting this part of the manifesto, you know, that is democracy. But I'd like to think that MPs are going to be held to account for some of their actions, particularly, you know, uh, some of the the, the people who've gone to uh, the independent group who Mm. left the Conservative Party, who are blatantly, blatantly now disavowing a manifesto they stood on they have let down their electorate and they should be having a by-election Well, they should, now, but they're not giving uh, people that opportunity. For. No, meanwhile, they're demanding a second referendum vote, which mm. is deeply ironic. It is very ironic, and there could be other words used to describe it as well, which we can't say here uh, on the radio. Nick, listen, thank you very much indeed. It's gone very quickly, I'm afraid. Uh, we're nearly out of time. Uh, Nick Dubois has been here. He will be back, uh, because don't worry, nothing is massively happening out there in the Brexit world for quite some time, so I feel we're going to be talking about this for several months and possibly years to come. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Everywhere there's lots of piggies living piggy lives. You can see them out for dinner with their piggy wives. Clutching forks and knives to eat their bacon. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344-499-1000 is the number. You can tweet us at Talk Radio, of course. Steve says, why can't we have a national shortage shortage of overpaid MPs? That's something I would vote for. Uh, well, that's not a bad thought, actually. There's a great story on the front page of the Mirror today uh, about a bunch of MPs who have made an absolute fortune uh, out of the second homes that they bought in London, having had uh, their mortgages basically paid for by the taxpayer. Uh, they've now sold the homes and made an absolute profit of millions and millions of pounds. Shocking state of affairs. They know how to make money. They don't know how to run the country is the problem. But now we're going to talk about something even more bizarre because I saw a story uh, this morning that the price of bacon is rocketing, right? Because apparently pigs in China are being wiped out by African swine fever. There's so many points of this story that you can't quite get your head around uh, that I'm going to try and do my best to get it out of Zoe Davis, Chief Executive of the National Pig Association. Zoe, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. I must admit, when I first read this story, first of all, I had no idea that China produced so much of uh, of, of the world's bacon, uh, and and I'm now told apparently that nearly twenty percent of their pigs are uh, being wiped out. Yeah, so uh, China has the biggest population of pigs, uh, and also the biggest consumption of pork in the world. Is that so right? Any kind of impact on their breeding herds, certainly um, to that degree. And 20% is already been lost, so that, that's just a lower estimate of yeah. what might actually happen, um, is, is quite a big deal for the rest of the world. Yes. Because clearly China loves pork and uh, is desperate to ensure that its people have all the pork they want. Does that mean they'll be importing more pigs and more pork from other parts of the world then? Yes, so that's already started to happen. We've seen a, a big uplift from the beginning of this year in terms of the amount of pork that's exported. Um, UK is quite a small um, country for export, but even our exports have increased um, over 20% um, in just one month. So, uh, yeah, we're seeing uh, really big increases here. 
And of course, that's not been helped by the fact that um, uh, America and China had um, a bit of a trade war yeah. and China has slapped some rather large tariffs on pork coming from the US. Okay. So, uh, but even with that, there's still a fair amount of pork being traded from so, the US. So, quite, I mean, it's quite good news, I guess, if you're a British pig farmer exporting to China, because you can probably charge them quite a bit of money for the pork. Well, you'd think that, but last week our pig price actually dropped Did it? by 2.23 pence. Right. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of pig farmers in the UK that are sort of scratching their heads and wondering what on earth's going on. So would we normally expect to import some Chinese pork, or does that not really happen? No, no, we don't. Chinese, uh, China's a net importer, so uh, basically takes pork from other countries rather than uh, exporting itself. Um, so we wouldn't get any pork from there, uh, which is actually a really good thing because we don't want African swine fever in the UK. No. Um, and that's one of the uh, easiest ways to get it over here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we basically would export, as many other countries do, into China. OK. Now, the story I've seen this morning suggests that pig prices are going to go up, although you've just said the price of pork bizarrely <laughs> went down. Um, yeah. Does that mean we're going to see an increase in the prices in the shops? Or, you know, if I go down to my local sort of cafe for a bacon sandwich, what am I going to get? Well, at the moment, we are seeing European prices going up quite dramatically. Um, they've, they've gone up by over 10 cents last week. So, um, you know, they're, they're, those prices are starting to increase. The UK tends to have a higher price than the EU, largely because we have um, a lot of outdoor pigs. We have a lot of pigs bred on straw, which costs more to produce. Mm. So our price does tend to be higher. And there's clearly a lag now that we're seeing. But we are expecting our price to increase in May um, and hopefully um, enough so that producers can start making some profit again because they've actually been uh, struggling. But um, now I wouldn't expect that uh, bacon price in the UK would increase dramatically. Oh. I was just looking at some prices earlier. Um, it, I mean, a lot of it will depend on the future situation in China and how desperate they become mm. for pork um, as to how much is, a, is sort of around on the global market. Right. But um, certainly um, UK and British pork is by far the best value at the minute. So clearly what we would suggest is that customers go and seek that out first. Yes. And is that easy to do? Because we get, obviously we've got Danish bacon, I presume, that comes in quite a lot. We've got other, I presume, other bacon that comes in for, or ham products that come in from Europe. Yes, yeah, so we imported around 215,000 tonnes of bacon and ham from Europe last Blimey. year. Yeah. What, what, what percentage and, uh, is that from the, from the sort of whole consumption? Well, whole consumption of pork, uh, basically 60% of the pork eaten in the UK is imported. Okay. We only produce 40%. But clearly, if there's more demand for British, then more British pigs will be grown. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to do, isn't it? They're nice creatures, pigs. And what about um, the the European scenario? I hate to mention Brexit in stories that aren't really about Brexit. But, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you think is going to happen after if uh, we eventually leave the European Union? Yes, if, when. It's very difficult, isn't it? I think that's half the problem, is the uncertainty. Yeah. It's causing a lot of uh, worries in the market. People don't really know whether to invest or not. Um, clearly, because we're importing so much, uh, the UK government's already put out its suggested tariffs, which are far below what it would actually cost us to export to the EU. And, of course, right. we do have to export to the EU because we have an issue with something called carcass balance. So the UK consumer likes to eat a lot of loin and leg meat, mm. but doesn't like belly and shoulder. So we have to export that to the EU. Right. So uh, if we are subsequently slapped with rather large tariffs, as um, we expect, 
uh, it will make that trade very difficult. So mm. we could see more of that product available on the UK market, potentially pulling the price down, which wouldn't be great for the no. UK producer. No, interesting stuff. Well, Zoe, listen, thank you very much indeed. Should we be doing, um, and obviously we should be eating more British bacon, but should we just be eating more bacon in general then, just to be patriotic? I think just more British pork in all of its glorious forms would be wonderful. OK, Joey, Zoe, thank you very much indeed. Zoe Davis, the Chief Executive of the National Pig Association, telling us, well, we don't want swine fever in this country, certainly not, uh, but we do have perfectly good British pork products that we can eat, uh, pretty pretty good bacon, pretty good ham, uh, pretty good pork loin and all the rest of it. Uh, so just do your duty, go out there and eat some of it, will you? Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.